There is something intriguing about the impossible, at least for me. Whether we are sitting on the couch after dinner watching uh, watching fool us and a magic act, people trying to fool Penn and Teller and get a spot on their show and all that, or I'm trying to figure out an MC Escher concept on a drawing that he did or a lithograph that he created. It's one of the reasons he's one of my favorite artists because you look at his stuff and it's like, that looks like it should be wrong. And then you look at it some more and you look at it deeper and it's like, oh, that's what's wrong. It's something that cannot happen in real life. There's something alluring to that idea of coming close to what should be impossible. Long ago, I accepted the fact that I cannot do the impossible. Sorry if you're a friend of mine to let you down, but that is beyond my pay grade. But I wonder if we can learn something from one who can. That's the miracle mission today as we look at this story of someone who faced an ultimate fear to get the chance to do the impossible. Let's check it out. And uh, this comes out of Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. This is a story of Peter and his friends, the fishermen. Check it out. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is Jesus we're talking about. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to seek, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I think there's two nice things about this passage, if I can dare to use that adjective. One, it it holds a special place in my heart because this is the passage that my pastor preached to me at, uh, at my ordination many, many years ago. And two, it involves Peter. Now, why in the world would I say that? Why would I say that's a good thing or a nice thing about this passage? Because Peter is a guy who's easy to relate to. He is us at our best and he's us at our worst and everything in between. I believe that's why the gospel is really zero in on him, maybe even more so than the other characters uh, in Jesus' entourage of disciples. And he is the one on display for displaying Jesus' power and ultimately giving a show of faith. So let's paint the picture here a little bit here. Jesus and his 12 disciples have just finished feeding thousands of people. They've done yet another miracle. And as they have gotten everything cleaned up and filled their baskets full of bread and fish, Jesus, being a good introvert that I know he is, he's probably exhausted. He's like, all right, guys, hit the boat. Uh, Go on out to the sea. I will see you in a little bit. And he goes and recharges by spending time alone with his father. And the disciples, they hit the water in the northern Sea of Galilee. And a storm starts brewing up. Now this sea is down uh, low. It's like over 600 feet below sea level, 
which means the air currents in that area can have some really messed up weather and can do some erratic things to the sea. In the same area, in Matthew 8, they experience a storm that freaks them out. Now, remember, these guys are on the sea, and they are professional fishermen, most of them. So I'm guessing they have seen some serious chop before. This is not something that ought to throw them off. But this sea is a professional storm chef. It's bringing together all kinds of things. And it's, by this point, it's probably 3 a.m. And they've been dealing with this storm for a while. And they see this figure on the water. And they don't recognize that it's Jesus yet. And so it freaks them out even more as if this, this storm that they are dealing with that's beyond even anything they've dealt with before. Now they see what they think is a ghost out on the water. It freaks them out. Now I was, <coughs> I was listening to Captain Obvious give a talk about revealing truth. And so you ready for this one? When you're stressed, you don't think clearly. I know, that's why I heard it from Captain Obvious. But there's, a le- there's the lesson, go forth to love and serve the Lord. I know it's not too much of a eureka moment, I know, and you know that because hopefully as you hear this, we're calm. Now ride the wave for me for a minute. I've seen people who are under legit stress and it's like the logic lobe of their brain just jumps ship. Just like, see ya, I'm going on lunch break for a while. You know, back in the day, I could go, I could be one who would go from she rolled her eyes at me to life is not worth living in about 45 seconds and make the logical progression from something so simple to something so epic that quick. And the only saving grace about it was that I had seen other people who could do it even faster than I could. I know, I've hopefully come a long way since those days, but I teach you this now in peace. Because, again, when we're under stress, you won't come up with this. I won't come up with this. So I have to remind myself of this stuff in peacetime. You won't miraculously recognize where or when the thoughts don't add up. And the disciples, again, they're on home turf. They're in a storm. Or if I'm in a storm on the sea, I want a professional fisherman with me. I They have seen... They're seeing their friend, they're seeing their teacher, someone you'd think they ought to recognize, but they think he's a ghost. And they flip out. And look at Jesus' response in verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Note the order here that Jesus gives. The exhortation, the encouragement comes before the revelation. See, often when the storms are brewing around us, uh, literally or figuratively, we want to know the way out. I get that. I've done that. It's just like, I don't care about anything else. I don't want to think about anything else. Just get me out of this. I want to know the plan, even if it's, even if it is to say, so that I can say, I played a part in getting through it. Sometimes all we get is I'm God and I'm at work. End of file. It doesn't sound like much to hang on to. Oftentimes we don't get the plan before we're already in the deep end. We don't know how it is we're going to get out until we're already deep in. After the exhortation, after the um, take heart, it is I, the disciples got, it's me, Jesus. Now, it could be translated, said another way, I am, which is a common phrase that Jesus uses in John's gospel when he's describing himself. 
He has these seven I am statements of taking an image that the people who would hear it would know about, a metaphor that they would know about, and, and relating himself to that so that people can know who he is. And he's calling the disciples to be courageous based on a growing knowledge of who he is. Eventually, again, they get to that point where he says, um, Lord, uh, truly, you are the Son of God. They're starting to get the idea of who he is, which is ultimately going to play a major role in Holy Week and Easter mattering because of who Jesus is. But then, let's not escape the, the story for too long here, then comes the big step for Peter. Again, he is us at our best, he is us at our worst, and here he is at one of his boldest moments. In verse 28, Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter makes this ask on faith, not questioning if it really is Jesus or not. Like, Lord, if it's you, and I believe it is, but I'm guessing in his saner moments, Peter would know what would happen if he stepped out of a boat. Again, he's a professional fisherman. And if he gets out of the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of a storm, I'm guessing he's going to get an express tour of the bottom of the sea. And in his boldness, which, again, both serves him well at times and gets him in trouble at times when he has to open mouth, insert foot, Peter says, I want it all. All the fullness you can give me, Jesus, to, he says to Jesus. Why? I'm guessing it was going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience to walk on water. Why do people risk their lives to climb Mount Everest? I'm guessing it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to literally sit on top of the world. Fishermen, uh, speaking of Peter, are often known for their tales, whether they're true or not, whether they're um, expanded or exaggerated or not. Maybe Peter wanted a tale that would never get trumped. There'd always, anytime somebody said, I caught this big a fish, he'd always say, guess what, guys? I walked on water. Beat that. But here's the thing. When it comes to walking on water, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. You want to catch a fish, you got to cast the net. You want to hit a home run, you got to swing the bat. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. There's a fitting movie uh, back from the year 2000 called Perfect Storm. Ironically, exactly what the disciples are going through here. And these professional fishermen are asked, why do you go out onto the dangerous waters, out into the dangerous waters? They said, that's where the fish are. Why do we look to get out of the boat, literally or figuratively? Because that's where life is. That's where the adventure and the journey of the Christian life is. That's where we meet the Jesus who transforms lives. And when you get out of the boat, here's the thing. It can crush your fear like a bug. One of the best examples out of my life comes from probably the toughest class that I had in seminary. When I was uh, studying to be a pastor and I was doing my in an internship as a chaplain. Now here's a fact. If you didn't know this about me, I spent many years very shy, very timid, and very afraid. The idea of being in front of people or around people on some level just kind of, it made me nervous. Certainly the idea of getting up in front of people. But our assignment as chaplains in the hospital 
was walking into a stranger's room. Somebody had just come into the hospital and we had very little information. We had their name, we had their age, and we knew they were in the hospital. That was about it. And here's the fact. I walked up to the first room on like day one, week one, after we had started doing this. And I'm thinking to my head, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. And I walked in and I sank. I flubbed the visit. I remember stumbling over my words and I didn't know I didn't know my own name practically. And <laughs> in the first, the second room, I probably did the exact same thing. First one's the one that obviously sticks out in my head, but it was not the only one that I flubbed. In the first two or three weeks, I learned dozens of ways how not to be a hospital chaplain. Like, how am I going to make it through 11 weeks of this? It was like, it was like seminary boot camp. But I kept at it. And uh, and weeks later, I was at my home church, and it was about some. It was summertime doing while we're doing this, and we're doing this uh, servant evangelism project. And there was a parade going through our town, and we are handing out water bottles to people at the parade. They're all along the side, and we just had these wheelbarrows of them. We're just we're passing out water, and it's that simple. And the task was asking somebody, "Would you like a water bottle or a bottle of water?" You hand them the bottle, and you repeat. Five-second interaction, 10 seconds at most. Now, a year before, had it been, what, a year before and before I had done that internship, I, those five seconds would have made me nervous. But I was in the home stretch at that point of finishing my chaplaincy. So it was end of summer. I had been doing this chaplaincy thing for probably eight or nine weeks at that point. And I had hundreds of visits under my belt with total strangers who were under far more stressful situations than sitting around watching a parade. I think I literally laughed out loud as I thought, you want me to ask one question and move on? It's pure cakewalk. Fear equals crushed. And though I didn't learn it for another 20 some odd years after that, I, the acronym for fear flipped in my mind. And I just, I learned this way of putting it actually very recently. So I'm I'm making the connection. Instead of fear everything and run, it became face everything and rise. Hear that flip? Instead of fear everything and run, it became face everything and rise. So I'm guessing Peter faced many storms after that day. And each time that he faced a storm as a fisherman, I'm guessing he eventually went back to doing a little bit of fishing on the side. He's like, Dude, I got a boat. I've been through worse storms without a boat, with nothing but my feet on the water. If you face something fearful this week, remember Peter's secret. He kept his eyes focused on Jesus. He zeroed in on him. One, it wasn't, he didn't start to sink until he took his eyes off and he looked at the things that made him afraid. As long as he kept focused on Jesus, he zeroed in on him, he could take that step and he could get out of the boat. And we can too, because you know what? That is where the life is. Let's pray together. Jesus, you call us to some incredible things, some scary things, some things we look at and go, no, no way, that's impossible. But through you, all things are possible. That we can approach that person, that we can talk to that person, that we can take on that task or that that goal, that mission. So give us the courage to go after what is good. 
and to go after it with the courage of knowing as long as we keep our eyes on you, we can make it through. Help us to do that, we pray. Amen.